I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hello and happy new year. It's been a while, hasn't it? Sorry I've not done an episode in a while. Life happens. Christmas, New Year's, birthdays all-consuming events. But Happy New Year! We're now in 2022. I'm starting the new year with a episode I'm so happy and excited for, all about puppets. Why? Because everyone loves puppets. I'm joined by the lovely Jess from Parker Puppetry. We talk about her work on the UK touring tour of Avenue Q, her, her amazing work on that. I, I, I honestly geeked out a lot. I'm a big fan of the puppets, Muppets, Jim Henson, all of that. So we had a really great talk and we talk about her own company called Parker Puppetry, where she's the founder and director, where she teaches people online and in person how to use puppets. It's a fantastic episode. I really enjoyed it. I get to geek out a lot. If you're a massive puppet Muppet fan, you'll love it as well. So, uh, Thanks for joining us in the new year, everyone. Enjoy this wonderful episode. Apologies ahead of the episode for my attempts at doing an Elmo and Kermit voice. I tried. I think they're good. You tell me. Uh, just before we start, remember we are on all social media from Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. Instagram is where it's mostly at. But if you want updates on the podcast, new guests and what's coming in the future, go there. And if you're really generous, go to Apple iTunes, podcasty review, webpage, whatever they call it nowadays and give us a five-star rating and a lovely comment just to say what you like about the podcast so the podcast continues to grow and we can continue to champion amazing, happy, lovely stories. I'll stop babbling on. As you can tell, I'm really excited because of the new episode out. Enjoy. Hello and welcome, finally, to the podcast. Jess, hello. Hello. Um, now, the listeners won't know this, but we've had a fun little half an hour setting up technology. I haven't done a recording since October, so that's probably on me out of practice um, just because Christmas happened and I'm just out of the loop of things. So sorry, I, I seem so unprofessional. But you have a, a lovely setup. I love all the puppets behind you there. Yeah. So um, I thought I'd put them on display behind me. I know that listeners probably can't um, uh, see them, but I've got them on um, got them on display. Proudly sat there. Mm. Well, I've got I've got four of them out on display uh, out of my about forty puppets. Uh, so <laughs> it's just. Four. Um, I thought that would be enough. <laughs> Do these guys have names? Yeah, so we've got, um, I, I say obviously, I don't know if uh, obviously everybody knows, but Parker, who is my, um, I'd say the brand character uh, for Parker Puppetry. Uh, so I've got Parker, we have Bobby, um, we have Peggy at the back. You can't quite see Peggy, I might, I might get her out for you in a minute. And then there's um, these guys. I haven't actually given this one a name yet, 
Um, but they're a breed of puppets um, <laughs> that a really dear friend of mine is building and making currently. And we've called them the gubbins. Um, the gubbins, yeah, because basically um, my friend Paul is an exceptional uh, professional puppet builder. Um, he's built for so many production companies and the Jim Henson company. Um, he's just got a wealth of experience and knowledge about building. And uh, he'd got all these from his years of experience on uh, productions and television productions and films. He'd got years worth of um, basically scraps of felt and foam and fur up in the loft, basically acting like loft <laughs> insulation. Uh, so he was like, I want to get all this sort of all these scraps of material and let's just see what happens. Um, so then I, you know, I thought of the word gubbing because it means kind of like scraps and bits and pieces and odds and ends. Um, so they're called the gubbins. They're the family of gubbins. And he's just churning them out left, right and centre and just oh, popping wow. them on the website for sale. But they're, they're amazing because they are a pro build. And Paul also, um, he built all the Avenue Q puppets that, you know, you or your listeners might have seen on the um, most recent UK tours of Avenue Q. So the Cellar Door UK tour and international productions, Paul recreated all those designs, um, made them. So he's got three full sets of Avenue Q puppets um, oh. that are fire as well. So uh, he, you know, I'm very familiar with his build and the way he builds and, and puppeteers will know um, that sort of every build is sort of different on the inside. So I'm, because I've worked on Avenue Q for so long, so many years, I'm really familiar with how the puppets feel, how Paul builds them inside. Um, so yeah, it's a really kind of, to have a gubbin, it's a really familiar, it's like coming home because it's like uh -huh. the puppets inside. It's it's really nice. I was going to ask, because I know we, we'll get into all of this and we are jumping a little bit ahead but start it while we're here um with having uq obviously it started in the us it came over to the uk and the world I, I take it that the puppets there are more than one there's more than one puppet of the character there are multiple puppets i take it then like there's not just yeah. the one cookie monster not cookie monster there's not just one cake monster or monster yeah yeah no that that's right there's um there's multiple puppets um I think as an exception for the puppets that appear, the characters that appear for um, only a, a brief amount of time. For example, if, if you're familiar with Avenue Q, the newcomer at the end, there's, a, there's one newcomer puppet. Um, there's also one Mrs. T, which was one of my roles. Um, so there, there are exceptions, but generally speaking, all of the puppets have um, multiple uh, bases and clothes and costumes on and that's just basically to make it super um efficient and easier mm. in terms of the character character's development and changes through the show so for example with Princeton he starts off in this incredible um, he's just graduated from university and he starts off with this incredible you know hat and gown uh, and he's got a scroll that's attached to his one hand um, the hand that the puppeteer will operate with one of the rods um, 
so he's he's got his scroll his hat and a gown but then he he then needs to come on stage quite soon in his what we call base outfit so his it's base princeton which is used for the majority of act one and then in act two um it's kind of like he has a different kind of look and outfit because in act two at uh, the end of act one sorry he goes through a bit of a journey he goes through a bit of turmoil and, and sadness um and then he gets a bit depressed in act two so he has this kind of yeah. like kind of relaxed attire um and he also then has a wedding uh, suit uh for the wedding of christmas eve uh, and brian uh so yeah in terms of outfits and also we have the famous one which is the naked princeton which is the most fun of all oh, of course <laughs> yes the the sex scene so we, yeah. we have naked princeton and a naked version of kate and they are generally made with longer arms um to make them floppy so the arms can flop <laughs> over the bed very easily because they've got longer arms so they're also built a little bit different um and then trekkie you'll kind of if you, you're familiar with the show trekkie monster it's how we're able to get from window in one house to the window in the next house very quickly um and that happens in uh the internet is for porn because you've got one he appears in one window for porn comes down and then Kate <laughs> kind of like oh what and then he appears in the in the next window across to, in another like building so that's how we're able to perform multiple trekkies at the same time well not the same time but like a split hair second yeah. so it's kind of a comedic effect for the audience to see one trekkie down and then another trekkie and it's that's what's funny about that scene as well making them appear like quite close together so yeah there are multiple puppets I think the full set is about I think it's 33 puppets in total yeah so and they all get transported we call them the, the puppet hotels they're boxes really <laughs> 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 they get um, packed away and transported um, and really well looked after um, this stage management become our puppet wranglers what we call in the uh, in the puppet in the pu puppetry industry a wrangler is someone who looks after the puppet you know checks the hair make sure their fur is okay make sure give them a little brush now and again um so the stage management team will become our puppet wranglers for the production nice i, I when i was younger i um, worked very briefly on the cbb show uh, justin's house where they have the oh. puppet uh, little monster and I remember them being very, very particular about how a little monster was cared for. It wasn't the, like my job to do. So I was, I was, too, I mean, I wouldn't be too scared to touch it in case anything went wrong with it. But I remember them being the combing and the looking after and even just treating it like it was a real cast star. And I, but it was just, I, but I love little monster as well. I thought she was beautiful. And I was like, I love this. I loved, I loved working on it as well, which was a great thing. Yeah. But back to you, let's, I, I, let's, let's introduce you properly to the podcast. <laughs> Who <laughs> were these two people? Uh, Jess, and I'm going to do my best to introduce you in the best way. So if I mess up anything, do let me know. Uh, you are Jess Parker. You are the founder and director of Parker Puppetry. You are a trained professional performer. Uh, you are the resident director for Jersey Boys 6, 20th Century Boy, Wizard of Oz, and are the associate director of the UK touring 
tour show of Avenue Q. That was a lot to say. Did I get any of that right or wrong? That's or great. Apart from I... the fact that I'm now Parker Hewitt because I just got married in the summer. Ah, congratulations. So, yeah, thank you. So it's a bit weird getting used to that. And um, I keep slipping myself. I keep writing Parker and then just being done with it. But um, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, apart from that, um, it was all great. It was all grand. Oh. Yeah. So are, are you going to change? You're not going to change the name of the company, I take it, though, even though you're wedding no. now. Still going to be no, Parker. No, still Parker. Nice. Yeah, yeah. Still Parker. I can't. Puppetry. I can't. I honestly, I know I mentioned this briefly before, but I honestly can't tell you how excited I am to be doing a puppet episode. I genuinely love all things Muppets and puppets. And I saw the play um, The Ocean at the End of the Lake the other night, uh, and they have a massive monster type puppetry. Amazing. And it, it was incredible. It was beautiful. And I, I, even as a kid, I watched all the, I, mean, I think my favourite, I think my mm, first Muppet film was probably Muppets Take Manhattan. And then obviously uh-huh. Muppets vs. Carol. Uh, and I remember my 15th birthday getting a VHS Muppet Treasure Island, um, which was, I mean, I'm old enough to have a VHS, um, but <laughs> I, that was on loop all the time. And this morning I was so excited to record with you. I had the Avenue Q soundtrack on and I, yeah. my poor neighbours bless them um they liked it or not but before we even get into that into everything else we obviously we obviously start the podcast with a happy moment uh, where we start and our guest shares either a story a fact memory about anything that's happy it doesn't even have to be puppet related it can be literally anything um what would you like to share to get the ball rolling into happiness um i think something that makes me really happy is um my students and my student successes and coming with puppetry because a lot of people come to me and have never picked up a puppet or they have and they have no idea um how to use it properly um and I'm, I, we will definitely talk about this but it's really important to me to make to bring puppetry especially in the uk and to make it as inclusive and accessible for everyone globally um especially in the uk as well um, to, to bring it to people to be accessible to learn and anyone can learn it. Um, it it's not necessarily I want to be a professional puppeteer I'm going to come to you for lessons it's more uh, you know an, an average regular person who would like to learn how to use a puppet properly and my happy story um, that I thought I'd share with you is of a student of mine um, his name's Tom Jarvis and he started hi Tom yeah Yeah. I have to tell him um but Tom started um taking my course um right when I first started it right way back in the first lockdown and he loves puppets he loves puppetry um loves the Muppets and he had a couple of puppets of his own and he came to me and, and you know wanted to take some classes and he I was approached by his sister first of all because his they'd watched a live that I'd done a live webinar and his sister uh, contacted me and said you know do you offer private tuition um or will he be okay in a group scenario your your group classes because Tom's got down syndrome so I said yeah I'm happy to meet him let's let's do a one-on-one so met Tom uh, fell in love with him straight away and his energy for puppetry and and his puppets um and then from there he's been in all my group sessions he does all my puppet lip sync battles with his puppets he's got multiple puppets over the years um that have joined him and his family of puppets 
and he struggled with some things when we started he struggled with lip sync because of the timing uh, so it's kind of like he heard the words but in the hand it was just slightly behind on the focus as well with the hand so there were things that he struggled with but my god he has practiced and worked and worked and refined his puppetry and honestly I, it just makes me so proud now to watch him and watch his performances when we do our lip sync performances um he is just he's becoming a great puppeteer not just somebody that has learned how to but he's becoming a great puppeteer and that for me just it fills my heart with joy that someone oh. has come on that journey for so long and put so much effort and energy and yeah and he just brings a smile to my face um every time we we see each other in class and um and just all he's accomplished and it proved to me that puppetry is for everyone um it's not just for you know oh i'm going to become a puppeteer it's for it's for anybody who wants to to learn and, and and Tom's a great example of that he's kind of like my poster boy <laughs> in terms of how far he's come with his puppetry and his journey so that makes me incredibly happy oh lovely that's, that's, that's a lovely moment uh, to get this podcast started well Tom if you're listening hello um I, I hope to one day maybe watch lip sync battles speaking of the lip sync battles is it RuPaul style is it a song is it a monologue how, how does that work I'm not, I'd love to know I love that you've got that because a lot of I my... mean hello <laughs> a lot of my avenues I've, I've named them after songs or after something so um for example, the Rod class, Avenue E, is you can't touch this. MC <laughs> Hammer, can't touch this. Do, 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 do. <laughs> <laughs> I try and like put a little bit of my stuff into my classes and what they're called. And um, yeah, the lip sync battle was definitely a nod to Drag Race because I love a drag race, love RuPaul, and um, I love a lip sync. And I thought, what what more to make sense than actually puppets doing a lip sync battle? Because that's what they do a lot of the time, you know? Sometimes, obviously, we do live vocals, but sometimes we can sync along. And I did it a lip sync battle because a lot of the people that come to do the classes, like I said, they're not necessarily from a performing background. So a lot of them don't want to sing, you know, some of them do, but a lot of them don't sing or don't perform. And they actually want to be, um, they don't want to be in view. They just want the puppet to do all the work. So um, I thought it's going to be a great idea to do a lip sync battle because then everyone, nobody has to sing. I send them their songs in advance. Um, sometimes I send two of the same song. So they don't know what anybody else has got. They don't know right. what anybody else is, is going to be delivering. Um, so they turn up on the night and we do a bit of a mega mix refresh in the class. And then we get onto the performances and they go to the little backstage areas on Zoom. So I create a backstage environment with Zoom rooms. Um, I go around them individually, just checking their volume, checking they're okay. Um, and they put so much effort into it. I'm talking green screen. I'm talking nice. props. I'm talking like they've got their other halves to chip in with a little puppet in the background and um, using different things. They, they really go to town with it. But really, it's essentially um, 
the end of the beginners classes and it's like a celebration of what they've learned and putting it all together in one little pocket of puppetry mm-hmm. which is by that point they should have had enough of the beginning elements for each little segment of puppetry that i've that i've put together to put a performance together you know nice. so that that's what i it's kind of like an end performance class for you know those who have done a to e the the classes and then what's been happening is that a lot of people just return and just book on and do them who have been students for the past year or two and they'll return and they will they just want to do it because it's so much fun and it obviously it honestly feels like a night at the theater like on zoom especially when we were in lockdown and we couldn't go to the theater it was a real like performance um and then we always have a little a little cheeky social afterwards we always grab a, a glass of our favorite tipple um yep and a, a little snacky snackaroo or something and we'll have a little chat and we'll have a social and um it's just a nice way of keeping the community together that i'm i'm sort of growing and building i love it it, it feels like a tv show that should happen very soon yeah. and we've got Ma- we've got mass singer which is i mean uh, uh, it's t it's it's on it's on tv say what you will about it it's on tv we've, i mean RuPaul's drag race a lot of them look like puppets a lot of the time so why not why not puppet lip sync battles um so back to you so let's go all the way back in the past um your your training how did you train did you train to be a puppeteer did you train to be a performer what was your what was your journey yeah so i um i I grew up in the west midlands dudley in the west midlands um right in the heart of the black country um i always knew that i wanted to be on stage that was my goal you know my career goal was being on stage so I worked really hard um I got into arts ed um at school in London and I did my training three years really intense really hard I look back on it and I don't know how on earth I did it (laughs) the long days and you know dance singing acting really intense um and then I was really fortunate I came I, I don't think I'd graduated and I got my first job um, and it was a it was a number one UK tour of a musical uh, that was it just been at the Victoria Palace for a while it was a version of Kiss Me Kate um, so I got my first job and then um, went on tour and then I, I was kind of really fortunate in my performing career so I did some lovely shows I did one cruise where I cruised around the Caribbean for like nine months so I was nice. able to try yeah, I did a Vita where, you know, I spent a lot of time in Europe, um, Germany, um, which I love. I love Germany. Um, so I was really fortunate in, in my performing side of the career. And then 2014 was my turning point, really, because that was when I got cast in Avenue Q. And it was a turning point for many reasons. Uh, one, because I hadn't picked up puppets since I was little you know I used to do puppets when I was little but and do little shows and things but I I put it down because I really wanted to be on stage so my focus was dancing singing acting um so I kind of it was one of those things those skills that I had but then I put aside like I used to play piano I used to do karate and everything just went to the side while I focused on my career what I wanted to do so yeah I got cast in Avenue Q so what that brought to me was the skill of puppetry again um and then what it also brought me 
was um, my creative skill. So by that point, um, I think I, I think I was early thirties. Yeah, early thirties. No, I wasn't. My maths is terrible, by the way. FYI, listeners. Same. Work out how old if I was. it's not a colour or a shape, not interested. Basically, it was I was getting to the maturity, let, let's say, um, where I was kind of heading in that direction because it, it's my personality. I was good at sort of looking after things and, and, and you know, I had got a really good relationship with um, the producers um, of Salador, who th- th- this production Avenue Q was. Um, so it became my creative journey because then I became resident director. So I was in-house uh, on tour resident director. Um, and I then- wanted to ask, what, what is the difference between a resident director and a social, what, I mean, what is a resident director, but still? So a resident will, well, normally what would happen with a resident director is that they would visit and do show watches and just make sure the cast are kind of, um, they'll do a show watch, they'll do notes, they'll, they'll do understudy runs, um, things like that. Um, with an associate director, um, it's, it's much more like they'd have, they have the kind of creative uh, input when, uh, say, the director can't be there. So the director can't rehearse a show, so the director's away working on another show, they'll bring the associate director in who basically like the, the stand-in director because they know the show so well okay. um, so they will take over rehearsals of the you know the main cast whereas the resident will sort of come along and do understudy runs and things like that whereas the associate has much more uh groundwork from the roots of the show um from the start um of the rehearsal process with a show um, like Avenue Q then and I guess most big big shows where the, the plot is, what the plot is, the story is, what stories. Is there much leeway to change? I mean, not change the story, but to change the direction. Or I mean, how does that work? I, I, do you have to stick to the how it is? Because I, I know in Les Mis, they were very strict about everything. Um, so I wonder, is that how does it work with Avenue Q? Yeah, it's it's slightly. I think it's slightly different with Avenue Q. Cressida, um, who is the director, and I am her associate. Um, she was very much of the well, she is. This is how she she is as a director. Anyway, she's amazing to work with because she gives the actor that creative input themselves. So if if they don't feel, because you know, when you rehearse shows that have been out for a long time, it's very easy to be like, right, stand on that spot, go to that spot, go to that spot. You're happy here. You're sad here. I mean, that's very very simplified. But you know, <laughs> um, what what Cressa would do, Cress would sort of say this is this is the field this is where we're going this is if there was any steps these are the steps um but then in terms of the scenes and the core of the character she would let the actor you know make a choice and make their own choice and it was really key with Avenue Q um because of the puppets and the comedy because not everyone um, sees the line in the same way when it, you've got a puppet on. So what really made the audience laugh, a puppet reaction. So obviously with, with puppets, we have manipulation where we can manipulate the head or manipulate the mouth to create an emotion. So I know, listeners, I know you can't see this, but just as even as she talks, she has a hand up like she's got the puppet on. And it's amazing just to watch. It's quite entertaining. 
I wish I wish it's uh, a visual project. It's more but... like it's my ghost hand. It always just creeps up. <laughs> my ghost, my skeleton puppet, just always like creeps up. <laughs> um, but yeah, so the manipulation of a certain line. So, uh, for example, in mixtape. So, if one of the actresses that played Kate chose to do a little, <gasps> and it really worked as a reaction, another actress might take a line and go, oh and do a head roll or something as a reaction. And so that's, that's, that's why we give them the creative leeway. And, and, you know, they will discover things with their puppetry that's slightly different to if you were um, just going through the motions as, as yourself, as an actor, you find different ways to manipulate that puppet that work for you. Um, mm -hmm. So yeah, there is definite, um, changes I think but not major changes just um knowing that you can add your own little something your own little spice to a character that doesn't need to be no actually we know that this works if, if you roll the head this way and you open the mouth then the audience is going to love it because we know the audience is going to laugh because that's what happened before but sure. actually it's we let them find their own way by getting the show open and then they can see what works and doesn't work with their manipulation by the audience's reaction. Nice. So when you walked into the Avenue Q, then did, was there much of a, I mean, I, I imagine you weren't just thrown on stage straight away. Was there a workshoppy training process? Because I imagine you weren't used to, you hadn't done puppetry for, for, a, year, from, yeah, for a few years. So was there a training? I'm, I'm doing the hand thing now. Um, <laughs> was there a training process as to how to use the puppets and how to get used to them and how to act with them? Yeah. Also, was so, it weird? Like, because obviously you're in the in the show, Avenue Q. Obviously, the puppet is more in front of you, and they're yeah. the focus, the actor. And I, I, I watch it. And I, I remember thinking, God, I don't remember actually seeing any humans. But obviously, there are humans on stage. But it's just, but your focus is so heavily on the puppet. Yeah, it's really bizarre actually as an audience because I remember seeing Avenue Q when it was in the West End, and this is before the version that I did and and, and my production of it or the cellar door production. Um, I remember seeing it and going, I'm not going to get this. This is, I can't, who am I looking at? Who am I looking at? It's confusing. <laughs> but it's up to the, and I, this is what I always say to, to puppeteers now, it's up to you to know where the line is to, uh, in theatrical puppetry to fill in the gaps enough with your expression. So you're filling in the gaps for what the puppet can't physically do to show the correct emotion and not to do too much that it's distracting from the puppet. Mm. Your job is to make that to make that puppet come to life as much as possible so that the audience 100% believes that that character is a living, breathing character. And, you know, if you're doing that correctly, then the audience's focus will go shift and go to the puppet and that's where it will stay. Um, so it's it's really up to the puppeteer. It's really up to to them to really um, be exceptional puppeteers and learn really really quickly. <laughs> so yeah, my my uh, when I was first auditioned for Avenue Q, um, it was quite intense actually. We did a quick um, one two three four five six seven eight nine ten sync in the mirror with um, Nigel Plaskett, who um, is the puppet director for Avenue Q. And he has been my mentor. So Nigel 
uh, taught me, taught, taught all the cast of Avenue Q with the puppets and, and how to puppeteer. Um, he's incredible and he's uh, the loveliest guy's dear, dear friend. Um, and I'll be forever grateful for him to be my for to be my mentor and to teach me everything that he knows. Um, so Nigel would do a quick, you know, here's how to hold your hand, here's how to sink, just drop by the thumb and just one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. And from that, he would be like, he would know. And it's really clear because you can, you can tell straight away if somebody's a natural puppeteer and those who aren't. So we would do a little filtering process straight away before they even come in the room. And that's what, what happened to me. Um, and then when I went into the, the room for my audition, it was like meeting celebrities because the puppets were just lined up. Uh. And I was like, oh my God, there's Kate Monster. And it was like meeting celebrities. I just couldn't believe it. And <laughs> my uh, recall, I had to sing Fine Line. And I was, I went in there expecting to sing Fine Line, but then Nigel just came at me with a pup with Kate and was like, yeah, put her on and let's do it with her. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, I've only just learned how to count to 10. How am I supposed to sing an entire song with, with her? And I remember them filming it at the, at the same time. And as I finished, I remember saying, well, God knows what just happened there. So I hope you all have a good laugh with her. <laughs> I was like, I, I literally don't know what my hand just did. It just went. I, I don't know. It was probably terrible. I don't know. I mean, I got the job, so it couldn't have been that Do you have terrible. that recording? I don't know, actually. I don't know. <sighs> it's probably... You find it. Hidden somewhere in some box somewhere. I should. I should ask. Um, but yeah, now in the audition, because I'm now part of the audition process, and you know, now when we're looking for casts, um, the last time we auditioned for the 2019 tour, um, we do like uh, sort of like a, a mini workshop. So we get variations of groups of everyone that's up for that character in the room throughout the day. Um, and we'll get them to put the puppet on and we'll get them to do their scenes and things and, and we'll get them to act with each other with the puppets on. And that can it basically just gives us a by that point everyone can sing the songs everyone can do the voices at that point it's a really clear indicator of who sure. is a natural because it's important because the rehearsal process is so short we don't have the luxury of having four weeks a month six weeks to teach them everything there is to know about puppetry we have a a week window for the puppetry where we have to just get it all done like and teach them as much as we can about puppetry really? in that short amount of time and then you know it kind of blows their minds because you know you've got to think about your lines you've got to think about your songs you've got to work with the md for all the harmonies the steps the some of the pieces but then you've also got this alien thing now that you've not used before and you don't know how to use properly still you've been shown but it's everything goes out the window when you start learning your songs and you start you know putting it on its feet so it's it's really tricky um i always say it's it, it literally feels like playing about by you know those big music men with all those instruments attached oh, yeah. to their body like boom 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 and they're playing all these instruments at the same time literally is like that it's like playing Gosh. several instruments at the same time it's it's really um really tough um so yeah anyone that does uh, avenue q you know has got to be got to have good coordination <laughs> is there a, a strict policy on 
taking the puppets if someone wanted to practice more are they allowed to take the puppet home with them or is it a strict policy of this puppet now stays in its home kind of thing no absolutely not yeah that we, we, we can't take we couldn't take the puppets home um you can't take the puppets home um no one can touch the puppets apart from obviously us when we're using them on stage and the stage management team who act as the puppet wranglers so yeah no one else is allowed to touch them even people that that came backstage no one really can touch the puppets so yeah definitely not um taking them home i guess when you um you look at them they they look like toys and you look at like sesame street where you like the little kids hug come at the frog or hug elmo it's like you and they're furry as well so you want to like maybe like stroke them that sounds strange when you say it out loud but um but i can see the appeal as to wanting to love them because they, they, I guess you forget they're puppets a lot of the time you, and you think they're real yeah. Yeah. essences and, it's, and you people. Know, it's fascinating because it's one of the first things people want to do. They, 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 You can see their hand coming out in slow motion and you kind of go, no! <laughs> <laughs> the face of the puppet and he's like, no! Um, yeah, it's one of the first things people's instinct is to touch them. And with the Avenue Q ones, we had to, it was just absolutely no, strictly no touch policy because... Um, they had to sustain a long tour. So, you know, if anybody had dirty hands or grubby hands, or if anybody touched an eye and, and, and they pulled it or anything and it mm. fell off, like it's just too much maintenance that was going on already, um, throwing in the mix people touching them and, and manhandling them in, in the wrong way, which couldn't risk it. So it was basically a no touch policy. You know, some of my puppets, are, you know, I do. I do have them touching people and sometimes I'll give someone a hug um, and, you know, they, I will be in character at that point so that they won't feel like they want to touch the face because sure. it's a person, it's a character. So they don't feel like, Oh, I'm going to go for the face. Um, so they'll much more go for the hands. So do a lot of hand shaking sense. with the lifetime puppets. I do a lot of hugging and, you know, and, and sometimes they'll want to uh, children and, and some of my, um, uh, send groups will want to kiss so they'll want a little kiss on the cheek or something like that so and it's it's tactile and it's important um to to give them that as well at that point so so when you were performing in it which puppets did you play then so i was mrs t i was bad idea bear i was second arm to nikki trekkie um and i was cover kate lucy so, so I've seen, I think I've seen it twice. I've definitely seen it at Manchester. I think I've seen it before then. I may have seen it twice or definitely once, but maybe twice. I love the Bad Idea Bears. I think their humour is yeah. mine to a T. They are so yeah. dark, but cheery, yeah. which is my yeah. cup of tea to a, a... I remember just laughing so hard at those evil, yeah. so funny bears. You should kill yourself. Ah! But, oh, but it's just yes! like stuff like that is just like, what? You can't say that, but you said it. But I guess that's the whole yeah. Avenue Q to a T, isn't it? It is, yeah. It's it, and they're they're the perfect um, theory of the angel and the devil on your shoulders, kind of telling you to do something, telling you not to do something, telling you why. You know, it's it's just it's so funny, and it's the what so funny. The writing is brilliant, but the mm. the the sort of thoughts that you have those kind of mm, just one more drink yeah I go right yeah. and it's like that you have in your head that you know you shouldn't 
but it's telling you to. And that's where they nailed the bad idea bears because it's just mm. genius. I'm putting it in the cutest looking little fluffy Care Bear-esque kind of characters is even more funny. And doing this kind of, you know, really, we had to be careful with the voice because if we, if it became too tinny, then it sounds menacing rather than oh. we had to keep it really cute, like really soft and really cute. Um, sometimes it was when we got into the swing of things and, you know, you can hear the audience reactions, you know, sometimes you feel your voice change a little bit, but it's really important to keep this kind of softness to the voice um, mm. because that's what's funny. That's what's really yeah. funny about it. They're super cute and what they're saying doesn't make sense with what they look like. So, and that's the gag. I love them. If you could pl have played any, any of the other characters, was, did anyone stand out to you? Oh, you know what? Um, I, I mean, apart from the obvious, like Kate, Lucy, um, which I did and I, di I did play uh, quite a lot. Um, so that I can't really say that because I did, I did <laughs> play them. Um, but the other one would be Rod. I love Rod. Rod's I great. love Rod. Oh, he's just that scene that he has with Christmas Eve where he breaks down on her and it's just the every, every, when we've been rehearsals honestly this whenever the actors always do that scene there's there's never i don't think there's ever been a time where we haven't had you know a little tear because it's so beautiful that moment done right you know and with the puppet leaning on christmas eve and her taking the puppet in her arms and it, it's just beautiful because at that point the actor has to come out of Rod and go and get into Princeton for college. Right. So the puppet would go and hug Christmas Eve and then Christmas Eve would take and then she would, the puppeteer would exit and then puppet, uh, the Christmas Eve would lift and carry Rod off stage. So it looks like she's carrying like a child. Yeah. Um, so it's a really beautiful moment. And then he has some crazy moments like my girlfriend, <laughs> He lives in Canada. Just insane. Um, so, yeah, he has some great moments in the show and I would have loved to have. I did actually get to use him because as the second arm, I used every single one of the puppets because ah. the actor that was playing, I don't know, uh, Kate, for example, if she was, if she had Kate on uh, and she had a scene with Lucy, I would come on as Lucy and the actress would throw her voice and I would catch it and sync it. So that was really nice because what I got to do was every character had a different body language and a different energy with the body language. Um, mm -hmm. And I got to use all of them and that was really cool. And I think it's what gave me the knowledge of the show because I was everywhere, my track, I was everywhere and I operated all of the puppets. So it was kind of like a natural progression to, to become a creative on the show because I knew it so well, like the back mm. of my hand. Um, so yeah, probably Rod. Amazing. I love Lucy. Um, I think she might be my favorite. She's in it for like a scene or two, um, right. but her song special, I, I haven't done it for karaoke before, but I would love to, I'm not sure how it would go down in karaoke, but I would love yeah. to do it. And it's just a bit of like, just give me a feather boa. And I'm like, yeah. ah, I can make you feel yeah. special. She's fabulous. She's such ah, a fabulous character. Such a great character. And it's like people think of me, they normally think happy, lovely, cute 
James, but really I do have a bit of a dark, dark sense of humor. So as a, as a kid then, were you, um, were puppets a, a big thing in your life, in your family, in your upbringing? Yeah, I, um, I had um, an uncle uh, called Uncle Eddie and he, when I was, oh, I think I was about three, and he had a massive stroke, a huge stroke. I mean, he was a six foot five man. He was huge. And, oh gosh. and he had he had a stroke and um, it really affected him. Uh, he really struggled to walk. He lost all ability on the um, on the on his left hand side and he, he really struggled. And when we used to go in at the, at the start, when he just had his stroke, we used to go and see him in hospital and I don't know where he got it from, but he had this, he just came up with this little puppet. And obviously I was little, so my memory is, is, is hazy on it, but he had this puppet in hospital. And every time I'd go and see him, I think it was his way of making me feel um, not scared to be in a mm-hmm. hospital. And he would bring it out and he would talk to me with this little puppet. And it was literally like a hand puppet and I don't even know, I haven't got it here, I'm gutted. My mum's got it at home. It it kind of looks like a monkey, but I don't think it's questionable. Like, it's, <laughs> I don't quite know what it is, but it ended up, I called it Monkey Punky. So oh. Monkey Punky was a little hand puppet and he used to talk to me with Monkey Punky. And that was my first, and I was like three. And I loved it. I loved that puppet so much and it's now mine. I, I have it. Um, but he used to, you know, I think it was to, like I said, to make me less scared about the hospital and about seeing him and about his stroke and, and such. And, and it definitely works, you know, I, and I was in, I was sold. Um, <laughs> and then I was a huge Roland Rat fan, huge. I, Oh, I haven't got him here. I've got li- I've got mini versions of him, but I have my I main Roland. Don't think I know who Roland Rat is. Who's Roland so, Rat? So, yeah, Roland Rat. I mean, it's show my age. Uh, but Roland Rat was um, in the early eighties. Um, was it BBC? I can't remember. I can't remember. But um, it was on. It was on UK television, and um, he was. He was a puppet rat. And he had this kind of, uh, if you listen to it now, if you look on, on YouTube, there's, there's like clips of it, has this kind of weird kind of like, it almost is a brummy accent. Like, I'm going to just quickly Hello, look at a picture of one of It's a really unique kind of brummy Oh, style. hang on. I do recognise this character. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. That's, I, uh, something of that is in back of my brain. Yeah. Yeah. He had a pink car that I loved and I... I lo- I was obsessed with Roland Rat. I loved Roland Rat. I think that was my introduction more when I was younger to the UK puppetry um, mm-hmm. characters, um, like your Gordon the Gopher, Oates the Aardvark, um, Ed the oh, Duck. the Aardvark. Uh, Ed the D- I had a Ed the Duck as a kid. Uh, huh? I had a Ed the Duck as a kid. Oh, I remember brilliant. Ed the Duck. Hmm. Sutty yeah. at the dark, sweep. Sutty, sutty, sutty and sweep. Uh, Rainbow. Um, that was, I think I. Oh, before um, I knew about the Muppets, 
I think the Muppets came later for me. Um, for me, it was the UK puppets and it was also Sesame Street. I watched a lot of Sesame Street when I was growing up. Yeah. Um, so for me, that's that was my first little insight into puppetry and television puppetry and how puppets can be used on screen to um, communicate and to educate children. Um, and then, um, you know, when I saw, you know, obviously I, I love puppets and then, then I knew about the Muppets. So some, most of the time people are like, oh, I, I'm a, I, I got obsessed with the Muppets when I was little. But for me, it was more the UK characters, Sesame Street, before mm. I went on to love the Muppets. Nice. I guess I, I, it's weird how this Elmo Rocco thing has weirdly come back into pop culture. At, yeah. at the moment i'm not sure it's just it, this i don't know why but I, all i see on twitter and instagram is uh, this spoof about elmo getting annoyed at rocco which is adorable but it just shows how long the content lasts for because it is just generally oh, good yeah. it's it, it's the writing it's the writing the sesame writers the the muppets writers it, it's just timeless that's what's yeah. so special about it it's that it's timeless um comedy and messages you know um it's it's timeless and it's 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 all relatable it's all still current like as well Mm. like it's just yeah it's it's really special not many things can do that and they have and henson and jim henson he he did that you know i think i i mean i'm biased because i am myself i think i do a pretty good impression of elmo and kermit the frog may i I, I I think I can. I mean, others may disagree, but would you mind judging my impression? Absolutely. Absolutely. I would love to. Okay. Let me do Kermit the Frog first. Let me get in the zone. <clears throat> His voice has changed though over the years. So it's yeah, not the same as it used to be. Different performers. Yeah. <clears throat> different performers evolving. Um. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> hey, <go. laughs> Hey ho, it's Kermit the Frog here on the Champions of Happy with Jess. Yeah! It's kind of there, kind of not there. That's great. That's great. That's so good. Thank you. And my Elmo is... um... Right, go for Elmo. Elmo, you can only do it if you're male because it's in a falsetto. So um, I can't do an impression of Elmo. It doesn't sound right, Um, but it, it only sounds right because it sits in a male voice. At like Miss Pickett, well, like them all, yeah. <laughs> but like, but like them all, but uh, yeah, it only sits in a male voice where you can do a really good impression. Oh, Elmo did not know. No, that's not very good. No, that's I can great, do better than that. Elmo did not know. No, I, I can cut my headphones on. Elmo didn't know that. Um, Rocco, hello, Jess. Uh, <laughs> Sesame Street, Champions of Happy. It's kind of there. It's a bit stitchy, actually. It's a bit there. Uh, oh I think it's okay, but mm, right. don't it's think great. Jim Henson Company are going to call me anytime soon. But uh, <laughs> yeah. if you could uh, puppeteer any puppet, be a British American now, past, future, which puppet would you love to work with? Um, Red, Red Fraggle, hundred percent. And they've 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 come back as well, the Fraggles, on yeah. Apple TV. Yeah. Yes. It's my birthday in two days and it's out on the 21st of January. Ah, um, happy birthday for then. Hey, that's so cool. Um, so yeah, uh, Red, Red Fraggle for sure. She, 
is just fearless. She has a voice that I really that I can I can do for a start. Um, but she's fearless. She's got this great energy uh, to represent um, a girl, uh, one of the girl fraggles. She's got this great energy, um, and I think she's she's absolutely fantastic. So probably red. And the other, if I was going, if I had another one, um, it would be Abby Kadabi. I love Abby Kadabi. Who is Abby Kadabi? Abby Kadabi is on Sesame Street. It's oh, okay. Sesame Street. So not a Muppet character. It obviously, is a Muppet. She is a Muppet, but it's a Sesame Street character. Um, and she is a little pink fairy. She's oh no, I have seen her. Yes, no, I do know her. A little wand, and she uh, is puppeteered by Leslie Carrera Rudolph, uh, who is fan- fantastic um, because she comes from a performing sort of musical background as well, and she's just beautiful. It's it's a beautiful character and a beautiful energy, different to Red completely. But yeah, I think between Red and and Abby, I'd love to. Can we hear your Red impression? Um. You know what? It's kind of is that throwing uh, you on the spot? Ah. It's kind of uh, it's a li- actually it's not. I'd say it's not too actually. You know what? Parker is who is my staple. She is a combination of Red and Abby. So yeah, I, I was I was about to say oh it's kind of similar to Parker's voice, but it, it it's not. She's more. Um, uh, See, this is the thing you've got to get. You, it's it's really you've got hard to get in the zone. You've got you've got to you've got to sort of get your voice. Uh, <laughs> 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 um. Oh, hey everybody! I'm Red. Ah, <laughs> really good. So just it's Karen Prowl um, who who did the voice for for Red for so many years. Um, it's she kind of has this bounce to her voice. Um, oh, hey there, go So it kind of uh, has this kind of like bounce to it. I feel um, I like Fraggle Rock. I'm loving it. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> I need to get yeah, Apple TV to watch the series. I haven't got Apple TV. I've got every streaming service yeah, except for that one. Parker Puppetry. When did that begin? Was that while you were doing MEQ? Was that doing a lockdown? What, what, so when, where, why, what? Yeah. Go with so, that. Um, so Park Poetry was born out of the lockdown. Um, I always um, had the thought in the back of my mind whenever we were auditioning for Avenue Q, which was I'd, I'd audition, I'd taken, I'd been part of the panel for for a long uh, for a few times. And it was always like a real thing for me. I was like, why does no one know how anything about hand and rod puppetry? And it would literally be a thing that I'd fleetingly think and just, you know, especially in our industry where it's, um, you know, so characterful. And if you are a character performer or a voice actor, it's just such a great skill to have. A lot of uh, colleges and universities in the UK will teach other styles of puppetry, uh, tabletop, unraku, um, shadow, but nowhere really teaches this style, or I'd certainly never been taught it, and anybody that I'd ever met as an actor and actress had never been shown how to use a hand and rod puppet. It was always on the job. So we'd learn 
we'd get a job and then we'd learn on the job like I did with Avenue Q. So it was always a fleeting thought, why? Um, but because I was so busy, um, it just, I never had time to explore why, or even just pause and think, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do something about that. Uh, so the lockdown happened and a, my best friend runs her own theater school and it was at the time where right at the beginning and all the performing arts schools, the part-time, the full-time were looking for classes from professionals to do um, routines from the shows they'd been in, singing classes were online, everything went online, didn't it? And my best friend said to me, do you wanna do a class for the students? And I was like, yeah, okay, I, I can do something. And, and she was like, what about something from Jersey Boys? And I was like, uh, it's tricky with Jersey Boys choreo because it's quite static. It's quite static and I'm not sure. So I was like, mm, I'm not sure. What about something from Six? I was like, oh, they've done Six to death. Like Six was, everyone was learning the routine from Six, left, right and centre. So oh, I, I do like, love oh. Six though. <laughs> I know, I know. It's incredible. Um, and it's great that it was accessible to anyone uh, over mm. lockdown to learn these routines and these songs. Anyway, so um, my best friend then said, what about what about Avenue Q? And I was like, well, I, can't, I can't teach Avenue Q because I can't teach the puppetry online. That would just not work. And she was like, okay, well, what about if you just do a little introduction to puppetry? If you just do a Q after. And I was like, great, fine, sold. So went on to this, it was like a live, a live video. Mm -hmm. And um, I just had a few things that I wanted to talk about in terms of how to hold your hand, how to think, you know, how to make it talk. Anyway, I was going for nearly 45 minutes just on the basic element of, of constructing the hand and your physicality. And I hardly had any time left for a Q&A by the end of it. And she um messaged me straight away afterwards I think she phoned me actually straight away and said that was brilliant you need to do you need to do something with that you need to you need to teach it because the kids loved it and you know it was really engaging and you should definitely think about doing it or doing another class so I was like hmm and that's what got me thinking and that's what spurred my brain on to go actually all these years I've wanted to teach it. I just didn't think it was possible with mm. people that don't have a puppet at home or don't have a puppet, you know, just in the loft or whatever. So um, I, it was, it was on the really hot days of the lockdown and I, it was, they were so hot. I don't remember. They were oh, we had a lovely it. summer that year and we had to stay inside. Like, yeah, it was like the rage and it was heat wave. And I remember sitting outside on my little sun lounger and literally with a notepad, with an A4 notepad, and I just decided to write down the key things and I decided to create a syllabus. So I just spent hours upon hours writing formulas for classes and exercises um, that are bespoke to me and, and and my way of teaching and my way of explaining things um so yeah I spent ages constructing it and then I just decided to put them out one by one I think I did my first one was a, a live um and then I created the zoom classes uh, so then I you know started to advertise them and you know put it out there um 
and then it just it kind of just went from there really um and it's just kind of snowballed in an amazing way um and yeah I think the most the why for me is like I said to you uh, at the beginning is making it inclusive and accessible for anyone who wants to learn because it hasn't been really up until this point not in the UK anyway so right. no one's no one's been teaching teaching how to do it uh, it's such a small community um and it's just it's I don't guess people will have the time or I don't know but it's just never been a thing that people have have sort of taught like outside of say an avenue q workshop where uh, you know someone like nigel would run a workshop um for people who wanted to learn avenue q um so yeah and and my my goal with it it, it's not necessarily like i said to you to create you know i mean yes create a next generation of puppeteers that that's great but it's it's really to provide this sort of training to people who use puppets in their career that aren't necessarily performers or puppeteers so for example um i get a lot of people who have uh, franchises that utilize puppets in their classes of their franchise like baby groups or toddler okay. groups where they use puppets for their kids but they have no idea how to use them mm. um i teach a lot of um teachers who use puppets in a classroom as an aid because puppets can be a great <laughs> aid to you know help a child to read uh they they create a great listening tool so that the child can read out loud the puppet can listen um and it's it kind of takes away the pressure of sitting there with another with an adult teaching you how to read it kind of it bridges the gap so I, I work with a lot of teachers who want to use it in their classroom um i also work with um i've had therapists that use puppetry and puppet play therapy uh where they you know they will use puppets in their sessions to help children communicate okay. um so it, it's a a broad um scale of of you know person that i'm that i'm teaching it's not just oh i want to teach everyone in the world how to puppeteer it's, <laughs> it's just that um i want to teach them how to use their puppet if they use one and not just it's not just about and uh, we have this that we have this term in the puppeteering world called shaking the dolly where it's just like that's what it's called it sounds really weird but it's shaking the dolly like just picking up a doll and just making it come to life by ragging it around and just making its mouth open and close you know uh but it's so much more than that and mm. when you have a little bit of knowledge about it it actually makes people so so much more passionate about it and that's what i want to encourage as well this kind of this passion for hand and rod puppetry because you know we don't want any art in the performing arts world or um arts world to die die out with a generation mm. we want more people coming through and up and you know keeping keeping the craft alive really amazing so it's, uh, let's say I'm a, I'm a newcomer joining a class how do I take part if I don't have a puppet at home what do I do yeah so um what I what I usually say is that avenue a and avenue b because all the classes are called avenues because that was my little hat tip to avenue q and, and my and my journey with avenue q so each class is an avenue and it starts avenue a and Avenue A is beginning, absolute bare bone beginning. 
uh, beginning steps and Avenue B is master of the sink. So it's all about sinking. And I sort of say for those two classes, you don't really need a puppet. I work a lot with the skeleton, what we call the puppet skeleton, which is your hand essentially, and how <laughs> to hold it and how to work it. So you don't actually need um, a puppet, but what I do ask for is just, um, if you haven't got one at home, like a sock, like a loose like bed sock or something that's quite um, large so you can tuck it in and you can sink with just the feeling of something on your hand mm -hmm. uh, for the final exercises. Um, so I say that for Avenue A and B. And then if you don't want to go any further with the classes, then that's kind of a, a good point because people have been like, okay, I've got the basics. I've got the very, very basics. But then if they want to progress into learning about manipulation, about expression, about how to use rods, if they want to take it to that next level, then I generally find, I mean, 99% of the time, people have always then invested in a puppet, whether nice. that be a £20 puppet that they can that they, they bought on eBay for a really good deal, um, or invest in something more constructed with rods and things. So I generally find that by that point, 99% of the time, um, everyone's kind of hooked by that point. So they, they really... They want to do the next classes with with a puppet. Nice. Um, so yeah, that that's kind of um, the thing for a, for a newcomer. Really, you don't really need um, a puppet to start with. Just your bare hand and, and a sock. <laughs> <coughs> clean, preferably. <laughs> yes, preferably clean. Um, so I don't. I'm not. I'm obviously. I'm not of the puppeteering world, but I imagine as it is such a niche skill set and, and and just learning hearing from you it sounds like it isn't taught very much in within the uk is it a very hard industry to get into then like if you're a puppeteer um, like to actually get into the job yeah i mean in terms of screen puppetry then i'd say yes it's incredibly hard in the uk um because um, I always say that like work generates work and another goal of mine is to create more concepts and more work with producers on a new uh, puppet show whether that be for theatre or TV because I think it's really important to, to, to keep like I say keep puppetry alive by providing more work for the puppeteers um, yeah. and you know there's, there's not enough um, theatre puppetry in this style anyway um, in the UK uh, in the US a lot more a lot more things are going on in the US with hand and rod puppets and um, theatre new theatre productions and such there's a great production um, in the US uh, it's called Bird Call and they use all hand and rod puppets they're all birds um, they also there's another great production in the US at the minute it's the Golden Girls but they're all puppets of the Golden Girls yeah, amazing. So, what is that one called? The Golden Girls. It's the Golden. It's, it, it, you, if you look at the Golden Girls, uh, it's like the musical, and they're all puppets. I have a lot of friends who will be very interested to know that. Who will be very <laughs> yeah, excited. Right. Ben, so I'm talking great. about you. I know you'll be very happy to hear that. <laughs> it's so great, and it's such a shame that we don't do more of it in the UK because I think UK audiences, I know because of Avenue Q, they are so they would so invest in puppet more puppet shows like theatre style. Um, but yes, in answer to your question, the uh, 
because there's not a lot of screen puppetry in the UK in terms of film and, and um, uh, productions and characters, um, there's, there's generally not that much work out there um, with the hand and roll puppetry, that is. Um, and it is a very kind of small pocket um, of performer. Um, mm. Whereas, you know, if you're in theatre, I think it's such a great skill to have because, you know, there's this type of puppetry, even though it's, you know, I'm saying there's not a lot of this style of puppetry um, in theatre, in, in, in theatre productions, there is actually variations. So Shrek has hand and roll puppetry because of the gingerbread man. Um, there was the the Little Miss tour, the Little Mr. Little Miss tour. There was the Madagascar tour that was using all the penguins and things. Um, now Frozen, Olaf works on a kind of, um, it is a mechanism uh, style hybrid uh, type of puppet, uh, but it, it's got a hand element and there's rods there to operate. So there are so many productions that use it um, not necessarily Muppet style, but do use a hand and a rod to operate a puppet in a, in a theatre production. So in that respect, if you do learn how to puppeteer and you then have it on your CV, it's brilliant. I mean, gosh, sure. we would have we would have killed to have people come in the door for Avenue Q with it on their CV because honestly, no one, no one had it on their CV. Anybody that was walking in wouldn't have it on their CV. And anyone that did, it was like, right, oh my God, we've found one, we've found because <laughs> it was just so exciting that someone had got any style of puppetry on their cv um so yeah hopefully that's changing now if you know because a lot of a lot of performers and musical theater performers have done some classes so they have an mm. understanding at least so i bet they're like i can't wait for having you to come up for audition again because i don't <laughs> have to do it <laughs> well it sounds like you're paving the way uh, for people who are interested in doing your classes then is there a particular can you be any age? Are there certain classes for different ages? How's that work? Is it a mix of, is everyone mixed together? How's that work? Yeah, so <clears> the, <throat> um, the classes, my course classes, so the, the ones that are an hour and, and we have them weekly, um, they are adult classes. So I'd say 15, 16 plus, mm -hmm. just because um, I didn't want any younger than that mix it. I didn't want adults feeling they couldn't, you know they were sort of watching what they're saying because of children in the room and, and and vice versa and so I just thought it was um it's best to keep it that way um but then my workshops I've taught groups where they're seven years old and they do they obviously every teaching style of puppetry is different I don't go in and go right this elbow's got to stay here and this did I don't talk to seven-year-olds in that way it's a much different workshop um sure it, it's very different but seven-year-olds all the way through to I guess in the 60s you know um that, that that's the age range that I've, I've taught anyway um and the school workshops are are different and you know I'll go into schools and colleges and, and part-time theatre schools and they will have an introduction to puppetry they'll learn how to do the very basics and they'll get to use the park puppetry puppets and they get to come up with a voice and come up with a character and then they get to improvise with their with their characters and they love it it's amazing goes down like a storm so when it comes to, obviously when you're online 
people can be from anywhere, but when it's the in-person live classes, are, are they generally based in a particular place or is it UK everywhere? Yeah, so the, the in-person, um, the, the sort of two types, I do my in-person workshops for um, organisations and schools. So they would approach me and we book, they book me and then we'd, me or one of the other teachers that, that works for Parker Poetry will go out and deliver the workshop. Um, that's a very kind of framed, you know, this is the plan of the workshop. Um, this is the syllabus. Um, whereas my in-person Parker Poetry workshops, they're just, they've just started in November because before that it was always tricky to, to organise anything. And it still is, to be honest. Sure. I've not booked another one yet because I'm just wait, waiting to see. I guess we all are. Um, but that's that's very much like individual people booking on to come to a day in London or wherever it may be in the UK to have a day of puppetry or a two day puppetry workshop or two day mm -hmm. intensive. Um, and they're very much like, you know, the one I did in November was um, basics in theatrical style. And then the next plan is to do a screen puppetry workshop where I'll have a setup and they'll get to work on monitor because that's totally different. It's a totally <laughs> different experience to obviously theatre style. Um, and it's, it's, it's a lot harder because you're working on a monitor that's um, on a straight scan, which basically means when you lift your puppet up and you feel you're going to go right on the monitor goes left so it's not like um okay. what we have the luxury of on our phones where it's a mirror image it's a reverse Oof, so tricky. yeah really really tricky so um that in itself is a whole you know other element of the skill to really learn and refine um so workshops in that and and workshops in in building and how to make a puppet and um you know lots of things uh but those are individual bookings that would come and would all come together nice well i'm i'm very interested i'm going to be looking into booking in a session myself because I, I i this is i love like i say i love puppetry so i'd love to do a class at some point um yeah. we are coming to the, the very near the end of the i was gonna say the show then the what is the show the podcast um, <laughs> something i am um, something i found on i was trying to find a quiz or a game to end i couldn't quite find something but i did find there was this funny tweet that someone tweeted quite a long time ago uh, where they a long time ago like two years ago uh where they said um take a film replace uh, everyone except for one actor with Muppets. So some of the, the examples, for example, some of the examples were um, the Truman Show, but you keep Jim Carrey and then everyone else is a Muppet, or Clue, where you keep Tim Curry and all the other characters are Muppets. Uh, one, I, one I thought was quite funny was Jaws, but keep the shark and everyone else is a Muppet. Uh, and I thought about Scream and keeping um, Sydney as the the only human. I was wondering if you could direct a film where you replace everyone except for one character um as muppets or puppets what would you do oh, oh that's really God. put you on the spot as well really? i have to really think about mine um i want to say like um what about a really like random i'm gonna say like like a horror film so mm. something like um so something like, I don't know, um, Nightmare on Elm Street, where Freddy Krueger is the main character and everyone else is puppets. I think something like that. That would work. Would I think that would work. Yeah. 
and quite a lot of interesting blood and stuffing yeah (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) which I think would work on a comedy point so maybe it take away the horror and add a little dark comedy in there (laughs) Um, (laughs) I can see that yeah I can see that yeah, well, we, so like I said, we have come to the end of the podcast. Thank you so much for um, joining me on the Champions of Happy. It's been an absolute delight. I'm looking forward to uh, looking at what courses I can join in the future with my uh, skeleton hand. Uh, and I might have to find a sock or a puppet or something to join in. But thank you again. And so before we go, could you share your socials so people can find you? Yeah, so it's um, it's the same on all of them. So it's at Parker Puppetry, TikTok, uh, Facebook, instagram amazing well everyone go subscribe go follow jess's work follow her tiktok and very funny videos on there as well uh, and uh, <laughs> we'll we'll say goodbye now and uh, thank you so much goodbye thanks for having me no worries thank you so much jess it was so much fun to have no i'll stop that before it gets weird uh bye <laughs>